Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special cup-winning edition of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett to reflect on Manchester United winning their first trophy. Since 2017, they beat Newcastle 2-0 at Wembley in the Carabao Cup final on Sunday. And uh, professional... Rob, I can't get over it, right? Cast your mind back to 4-0 at Brentford. That's what I was doing yesterday. I was thinking, wow, how far this team has come in just the space of not even six months. Well, six months, just over six months. It's it's just night and day, isn't it? Yesterday's performance was not pretty particularly. It wasn't great, but there's a been a quote floating around from Casemiro from his Real Madrid days, which said, finals are not for playing, finals are for winning. And that was exactly what we got. A hundred percent. You know, as the crow flies, Brentford to Wembley isn't that far. But geography aside, in terms of the mythology of Manchester United and, and reality of today, it was a long way away, isn't it? The departure from that early season form and anything that we saw before Eric Ten Hag. So congratulations, first of all, to the lads. I think they deserved it. It was right. It wasn't a pretty performance, but no one really remembers those things at the end of it. It's no good playing well and losing. I thought Newcastle played well yesterday. I really did. I thought they bossed the game for large chunks of it. They played well. They didn't go away with a trophy. So that's all that matters in the moment when you're actually playing the football match. I'd put the caveat before the game that even if United lost this, that we've come a long way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're at Wembley, you want to win it, don't you? Scott, you were at Wembley. I bet you wanted to win that trophy. Do you know what? Like Even going into the game like after Thursday... Uh, and what what United are doing at the moment and why I came back to the Brentford game is, and I wrote a piece for 90 Min as well yesterday, which was this team haven't known how to win for a few years. They've been to finals and lost on penalties. They've been to finals and lost. Remember, I was at Wembley for the FA Cup final in 2018, I want to say it was, against Chelsea. Um, they lost 1-0 that day. And they just haven't had that know-how they haven't had winners in there they've had a bunch of players who needed a bit of guidance uh and what they have done in that in this time since the Brentford defeat is I think well obviously Eric Ten Hag has come in and made a difference I think beyond anyone's belief but he's he's got someone like Casemiro like Lisandro Martinez in there as well who are just bringing that personality that United have lacked for so long and that know-how and that ability to win Casemiro was everywhere yesterday it's just unbelievable and I think getting to see him up close at Wembley cover all that ground make interceptions he doesn't he doesn't even score goals and he's scoring goals in like I think I was I was at another one of his finals at, in Cardiff where he scored a, a banger for Real Madrid against Juventus I think it was um so maybe that was the other final goal he scored but he's got a record of 16 wins out of 18 finals uh 21st career trophy and we were looking at Casemiro at the time that he signed Rob, and we were thinking, this is risky. This is a, a hell of a lot of money. Uh, this could potentially go wrong with everything that we've seen. All the players United have signed down the years, this could have been one of those to file in the spent a lot of money and flopped category. But the, the personality of this lad is just, it's, it's transformed Man United on the pitch. And I think Eric Ten Hag can communicate everything that he wants to off it and on the training pitch, but he needs people, he needs leaders on it. 
to make sure that they carry the team through the game. And that's what I got to see yesterday. I think Casemiro was absolutely immense. Lisandro Martinez and Rafa Varane were immense. And they just got the job done, didn't they? Absolutely. They are consummate professionals. The reason why they win all these trophies and win them over and over again and make a habit of it is because it's a mindset. It's it's it's, it's a kind of no-lose mindset. It's like, I'm going into work today to do my job and my job is to win that trophy. So I think I, I thought yesterday uh, quite a bit about two years ago when United lost the Europa League final to uh, Villarreal. Oh, yeah. And that's a Villarreal team that were far in, in um, really, <laughs> I would say United was superior, but when you looked at the people who were in the teams, you were like, well, United should win this. That's how it felt. And yet Villarreal did it because they went there, were more professional and they only won it on a penalty shootout in the end. But United had a naivety, didn't they, about their players all the way through the team. You know, even, the, you know, talking about like Maguire wasn't playing that day, but it was that kind of, it was those players, all those players that just felt like they just didn't have enough to go that final mile. That's different now, isn't it? And that's come from Ten Hag at the very top, but filters down very quickly through his signings. When you look at Casemiro, Casemiro, that's his ninth final in a row that he's won in a row. He's won nine in a row. That's astonishing, you know, amongst his whole pantheon of his whole career. But it shows that consistently he knows how to get the job done. We should have started the show by doing the Ten Hag dance with Anthony and with uh, Martinez. But those Ajax boys with Eric Ten Hag know how to win, don't they? They Mm -hmm. were only doing it a few months ago. So to them, you see, it's not new. To United fans and for us watching, it feels new because it's a little bit different to how we've seen this expertise at our football club really kind of collapse in years gone by. But here are experts. Here are players that know what they're doing. Yeah, you paid a load of money for Anthony. You paid probably too much for Martinez. You certainly paid more than Casemiro, who was like fourth or fifth choice at Real Madrid. You gave him a wage of £350,000 a week. But sometimes you've got to do that. Sometimes with the rest of your development... You've got to put the main experience pieces in. Varane was like that, wasn't it, when we signed Varane? So this is where these things now bear fruit. And and again, just all credit to United. Because I think Newcastle played a really good game. I thought I thought the actual, actual makeup of the game, I thought Newcastle dominated parts of the midfield that really frightened me in the match. I thought it feels like if they get a goal here, that they'll kick on. But United had enough experience to kind of nullify a lot of that and to make sure. I think really De Gea only had one... One decent save to make, which was when Delo got skinned by St. Maximan mm-hmm. on that side and, and obviously a quick fire save. Besides that, De Gea didn't have a lot to do. You got your clean sheet. You win at Wembley. That's it. Trophy in the bag. And it's as simple as that, isn't it? But a great day for United fans. Um, I'm glad you were there, Scott, to celebrate it. It's good to, to see those things in the flesh. And I think we're just very lucky to have Eric Ten Hag. I really do. I feel that now. I feel like we've got a really valid, decent manager that can build for now, in the future, and beyond. Uh, credit to Newcastle. <clears throat> Their fans had a great weekend. Uh, they <laughs> they certainly made London home uh, for a couple of days. Uh, they were very loud at Wembley as well before the match. And they played <clears throat> they played well. Uh, didn't really have that, cu- that, that cutting edge, that real threat. No. But even when, you know, and I had this feeling in the Barcelona game the other day as well, which is kind of why it's taken me a little bit of time to register this, but I I kind of feel United aren't back yet. I don't think they're going to be back until they win the Premier League. 
yeah. that's when that that's when they're officially back. But I'm just starting to feel like that air of confidence and certainty that the team will get the job done is starting to return. And I never thought that United would lose to Barcelona, even when they went one nil down on Thursday. And I never thought, even though Newcastle were pro- probably the probably on top for most of the game yesterday, that they were ever going to win that game. It's just, and that's the difference for me. It's just the the evolution of this team in just a space of a few months is remarkable. Yeah, you have confidence in the method now, don't you? So, like, think about when we were drawn against Barcelona. That was drawn before the World Cup, wasn't it? You know, we kind of looked at and we looked at that date like two or three months in the future, and we thought mm, might go out there. You know, like, and if we do go out, you know, Barcelona have started the season well. We're kind of we were about fourth or fifth at that time, weren't we? Going into that uh, into that World Cup. And and that feeling was very different then to the feeling now, which is when you go into games, you know United are always going to give themselves a chance. That has not been the case over a long period of time. They've done smash and grabs in the past, but this wasn't a smash and grab yesterday. This was an experienced set of players against an inexperienced set of players, wasn't it? You know, you've got you know, Casemiro, you know, the old face of Brazilian football, somebody who's been there and done it before, against Bruno Guimaraes, who's the like newer face, someone who's like the future or but now and trying to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Obviously he was in tears at the end of the game. And you've got that little standoff between, you know, past and present. So uh, I think that that was the big difference yesterday is that Newcastle do not have the experience of winning trophies. Eddie Howe does not have the experience of winning trophies, which is why I do think eventually Mr. Howe will not be the long-term manager at Newcastle once they start spreading out the 500 billion that they've got in the bank and start spending a little bit more cash manager will probably go with some of the players but all credit to them anyway to get there and and they were close you know they just didn't really have that threat as you said in the final third I thought Carolyn Wilson was dealt with well by the centre-backs uh, Isak came on in the second half I was worried about that I didn't want to see him so early he was dealt with well by the centre-backs so overall I think United did the core jobs in those part of the pitch where maybe they've failed in the past and as you said the likes of Casemiro just just affecting the game non-stop, just by little things, little tackles, blocks, tracking people, defensive work, but then turning defence into attack. Um, on another day, I think United could have had more goals, you know, like on the counter-press and on counter-attack. It was there for them, wasn't it? You know, Bruno running through at the end there. You, you've got to score one way or the other, either Bruno or slip it into Jaden. Uh, and you could win this game 3 0, and it looked very comfortable. But it wasn't as comfortable even as the 2 0 scoreline showed. But at the end of it, it felt deserved, very much deserved. There was no luck involved. Manchester United earned that trophy. You can subscribe to The Promised Land wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can usually watch us on Tuesdays and Fridays twice a week. But we're given United one at Wembley on Sunday. We thought it better to bring you an episode a little bit earlier in the week. So we're recording on Monday. Uh, and Talking what is that, Rob? Is that a Shawberto Carlos mug? Yes. Yeah, still still Shawberto. Still still what? Now, now best left back in the world. We should talk about that he, today. He's, he's really getting there, isn't he? Uh, head over to the YouTube channel, like this video, uh, subscribe to us, join the community and leave a comment uh, as well. Uh, and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. Get in touch on Twitter as well at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Uh, Back to it, Rob. How many cans of Carabao can you pour into the League Cup? Oh, 
probably. Have you ever tried Carabao before? I was about to say no, I haven't. It's not that you know, bad, actually. It's actually not bad. Is it the poor man's Red Bull? I don't know. Like, yeah, um, no. You see, look, I, I actually knew about the Carabao Cup before I knew about the drink. So sponsorship does work, doesn't it? Because <laughs> I hadn't heard of it before that, going back all those years ago when they took the took the trophy over. As the have, have you main. seen the pictures of Eric? Ten- I was in the post-match press conference with Ten Hag and Eddie Howe. Have you seen the branding? I, I've seen the branding. It is, and it, 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 rem- it is incredible. It's, it's the bright like the branding matches the kind of thing, doesn't it? The energy drink, like take this and and feel falsified and better because it's full of sugar and stuff. Like, yay, well done, the Carabo. But no, I, I think you probably fit several cans into that trophy because it's actually bigger than people think, isn't it? Like mm. when you actually pour, and those cans are smaller than people think as well. Um, <laughs> but aside from sponsorship chat, I just think it's kind of like. Um, I always remember when I was a kid, it was uh, the milk cup. And when you won it, you won a year. I've been meaning to ask this because that's before my time. And I've never. So I wanted to ask somebody slightly older than me. Old. But the milk cup, right? This was kind of before my time. I've known Mm. the Worthington Cup and I've uh, whatever it was before that. It was sponsored by milk, right? That's right. Dairy milk. So like like the the, the dairies, uh, the UK dairies were their own company and it was in the days scott when you used to get your milk delivered like Mm. you'd open the door and there'd be a pint of milk there and you'd pick it up and you didn't go to a shop because shops weren't open like you didn't have a shop in the morning to go to there was no there was no supermarkets open from 7 a.m it was like if you went to the shop it was like a special trip you know down the road at three o'clock in the afternoon or something or in the after or in the evening but your pint of milk was there and they used to sponsor that trophy the league cup it was called the milk cup and whichever team won got a year's worth of milk that was that was the that was the thing everyone so you got a year's worth of milk because in those days milk was considered a magical potion that you took for calcium so kids used to have a big a big glass of milk at school i used to have that they'd give you a bottle of milk and you drink it because it was part of the kind of health initiative for your calcium, for your teeth and for your bones. Now we've learned that actually milk's got quite a lot of bad fat in it sometimes. You probably shouldn't have it for calcium. So so all those years ago, yeah, that trophy was sponsored by by the milk board. I remember when it became, was it the Littlewoods Cup next? That's the one. That The yeah. Littlewoods Cup is the, the first one there. The Littlewoods Cup and then the Rumbelows Cup. And I remember being quite perturbed. I was like, oh, I don't want to watch the Littlewoods Cup. I'm used to the milk cup. That's a thing. Uh, you know, Rumbelow's cup. I don't shop in Rumbelow's. What's all this? Um, but yeah, here we are. Now it's later. alcohol sponsors and energy drink sponsors. Well, Very exactly. 2000s. Very like, well, Carabo, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, a, an energy drink that I don't know anyone that really actually drinks. Like again, if you do drink one, it's Red Bull, isn't it? Or something like that. So um, yeah, sponsorship does work, doesn't it? But uh, sometimes you get a sponsor and you think, Who's that? I always think about who's going to be the next shirt sponsor at Man United. One day it's going to be a shirt sponsor that just we just don't know. Team viewer. Like it was like, who's team viewer? We will have to go and do our due diligence to find out who our new sponsor is. I think that's the modern world of football. How many cans of Carabao did Casemiro drink before he stepped on the pitch yesterday? Because like we mentioned, Zero. Rob, he was he was absolutely <laughs> everywhere. Uh and do you know what? Like I, I'm talking about how much of a difference this guy has made. Did you see the clip? After, uh, clips, actually. Clips of him celebrating with the fans uh, 
and the clip of him shouting at Bruno for not scoring the ball to Sancho in the final few minutes. That, for me, is the difference. Usually, like, if a team wins, you know, you just kind of take it, you're happy, this kind of thing. Casemiro, I'm not saying he's not happy. Obviously, he is. But to <laughs> break out into an argument with Bruno Fernandes for not passing when you're winning 2-0 and you could win 3-0 and you're going to win a cup, that is, for me, the video proof of standards increasing. Completely. And I think it's also the, the the change in overall mentality because I think this Man United team over a few years, the main players, and I include Bruno in this, this isn't my little Bruno pop section, but they've been a little bit egotistical, I think, you know, last two or three years, you know, and I think Cristiano was the epitome of that. But ego counts for nothing unless you're winning. You've got to win every week. And I think when you look at Casemiro, he has no ego and he's a winner. And that's what works. Like if you look at Man City over time as well, I think they've had a ton of players that don't really have a lot of outward ego. Like I'm sure Kevin De Bruyne looks at home, looks in the mirror and goes, hmm, I'm pretty good, aren't I, at football? I'm sure he does do that. But he doesn't really exude that, does he? You know, like when he wins trophies, you don't feel that about him. And I think when you look at United yesterday, this is the transformation between those players, like Varane, I would say, and Martinez, pure winners like Casemiro, who are putting their ethics onto the rest of the team. I think Marcus Rashford's taken out. I think Marcus is a boy without ego. But Marcus goes on the pitch now and says, I'm going to kill you. That's what he thinks. That's all he thinks. I'm going to win the game and I'm going to hurt you in the game and I'm going to score or I'm going to at least make a goal and then we'll win the football match. And that is just flowing through United, isn't it? You know, we just said they're about... Luke Shaw, I think that's a big change in his game. You know, I think he's more assured. When you go through that midfield, Fred is a better player this year, isn't he? You know, we talk about how bad he can be sometimes. I think Bruno is better for it, for being with those players. And then you're carrying on this build, aren't you? Like, as I said, the workhorse of the teams, the likes of Veghorst, I think Wambasaka coming in, Delo being a better player this year than last year. All of these things have all happened at the same time, which makes us think, that they're all connected, Scott, that there is actually something to this, that this manager has found a formula. Well, you can go over the last 10 years and you could probably count on one hand the amount of players that Man United have signed mm. or developed and turned them into a better player. And now Eric Ten Hag has done that with seemingly every player that he has in this squad. Mm. Uh, it's just uh, incredible the progress that they've made uh, and it's putting United back towards... Uh, where they should be. I think this is the first step, right? So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second as well. Um, just before that, I wanted to mention, we've talked Casemiro. There is now a foundation in this team at the back. David De Gea is looking pretty sharp. Uh, his weaknesses aren't really being shown. I know he gave the ball away like in his own box against Barcelona on Thursday. But, you know, De Gea, Martinez, Varane and Casemiro is a winning spine. Isn't it? it is a winning spine. And also the De Gea point, I was thinking this yesterday, um, when De Gea gives the ball away, we all cringe, don't we? I think Alisson and Edison actually give the ball away just as much, just in terms of numbers, when you look at the metrics, it's just that they are better ball players, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I think when you look at the spine of the team, you know, I remember uh, talking to a Chelsea fan many moons ago, and we used to talk about why Chelsea were winning titles. And, and for them, it was that, Terry, Lampard, Drogba, Spine, that those three players, didn't matter whether they played well or not, 
But having that in the middle of your team, that spine that runs through the middle, is what matters. And I think when you look at United at the moment, it is. I'm not going to discount Martinez at the moment because we will talk about him because I think he's been a huge part of the change at United. But Varane, Casemiro, Rashford through your spine gives you something more than other teams week to week. And that, I think, is why Eric Ten Hag can build this project in the way that he is, because I still think it's quite methodical. I don't think he's done anything radical. He's emplaced things like pressing that we haven't seen before and desire and, you know, that the players actually care that they're going to play a football match today. Like, that's a nice one, isn't it? But that spine, I think, through the middle now is up there with anything in the Premier League. And, and I say that in looking at Arsenal looking at City and, to an extent, looking at Liverpool. I think that spine, that three, would almost get in any of those sides at the moment. So that matters, doesn't it? Because we've not been able to say that at Manchester United for such a really, really long time. Another big test coming next weekend. Uh, Man United go to Anfield. Uh, they hmm. play West Ham in midweek. We're not really going to talk about the West Ham game too much today because this is more of a reflect on... The first step, let's call it the first step uh, of, of progress, because there's been a number of suggestions so far this season that United are moving in the right direction, but United are judged on the metric of trophies, and Eriksen Hag knows that. He consistently talks about that, and they've got their first. How many will they get with Eriksen Hag? We'll maybe uh, point a finger in the sky and have a chat about it. But uh, let's talk about Martinez then, because... Hmm. Even in the last few minutes yesterday, there was a bit of a flare-up where I think he blasted the ball somewhere and then ticked off Newcastle players and all this stuff. But he is just... no. I can't... How many no-nonsense... There's, there's been a ton of no-nonsense defenders in the Premier League down the years. He's right in there with these lot, isn't he? He's just... He takes absolutely no... I'm not going to swear. You know what I'm saying. And he has quality on I'm the ball as swears. well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking swears as well. He's just cut from a different cloth. Yeah, I'm going to describe him as an S-house. Yes. Because that's what he is. And it's so easy isn't it, to, to kind of compare players to times before and whatnot and what we've seen in the past. But very much, if Varane is Rio Ferdinand, Martinez is Vidic. Yeah, this is, I think, the formula that you're trying to recapture. Now, it's different players of course you know like they're not in their skill sets or their stature the same but I think when you look at Martinez the the big thing when we signed him and what I liked about him at Ajax and why I liked the signing is that I really felt that men mentally and up here he would have no problem with the Premier League now he had to prove it first of course because everyone went oh, but you're only like four foot three this is a problem for a centre-back isn't it let's write loads of content on your height well done, football pundits. Why don't you actually look at the player's actual attributes and what he's achieving? He's now won an Eredivisie only a few months ago at a World Cup and now the first trophy at Manchester United in the Ten Hag era. So, again, he's been a huge part of it, but it's been that partnership, hasn't it, I think, between Martinez and um, and Varane. And do you know who I felt sad for a little bit, just, just for two seconds yesterday? Was the guy that lifted the trophy? Because I, I knew looked, you were going to say that. I looked. I, I looked at. I looked at Harry, and I thought, "That's your swan song, mate. Lift the trophy, and that's probably the end of your Manchester United career." Because 
he just isn't of the quality of those two centre-backs. Of course, if we get an injury there, yes, Maguire might be farmed back into the team. But you saw Maguire came on even for the end of the match there and looked like Bambi on ice skates, you know, and his legs were all over the place. And you you maybe expect that for a player that hasn't played a lot of football. Um, but I do think that that was kind of like the change in the guard. So I'm glad he got his moment, Harry, as a as a Manchester United captain, because it's a tough job on, on, an, on a... Difficult day of the week and an easy day of the week. It's still a tough job. Um, but those two guys, and I think Martinez specifically, you know, he's called the butcher for a reason. And you just describing that moment there, it was right at the end of the game where I think it was uh, Callum Wilson gave him a big knock and he went down and then got up and squared up to Wilson. It was all staged. Like he knew what he was doing. He was like, well, I'm going to get my foul, but I'm also going to show the player that you haven't hurt me. And I'm going to show that I'm going to keep coming for you because that's what I do. I'm the butcher. So he doesn't like that nickname, I'm told. Like he doesn't like the butcher really? nickname. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't appreciate it. He doesn't really, in, in the sentiments of uh, of Argentina, he doesn't particularly like the whole butcher thing. But he says, but um, but he was called that for a reason uh, at uh, Ajax. And he's very much, I think, brought that to the Premier League, showing that he's a no-nonsense kind of defender. He is the short Nemanja Vidic. Like, but he's got a lot of technical skills, like Knight Nemanja, that people overlook. Because, again, Vidic was really proficient on the ball, much more than people thought for many years. I think Martinez has got that, and that helps Varane, of course, as well. I think his quality on the ball... Look, we're not leaving Varane out of this, by the way. Um, no. Varan is he's as decorated as they come. Obviously, he's made now that he's fit, he's made a massive difference. But mm. on on Martinez, I think his quality on the ball is just is so obvious. Like the the way that he his technique, the way that he passes, his accuracy uh, barely ever makes a mistake. He is uh, that partnership could be there for a few years to come. And I look at Casemiro and I look at Varan, who are. 30 31 i think it was casemiro's birthday the other day as well they have a few years left but i would kind of like united in the next coming transfer windows to sign version younger versions of these players so they can get alongside them and start to learn the tricks of the trade before succeeding them over the course of the next few years um but yes united have a spine they have marcus rashford who was credited with the goal in the end i saw last night um it was initially given as an own goal but i think it's been credited back to rashford good for him to get a goal and uh, yeah, let's let's talk about it, Rob, because you mentioned the uh, the first trophy mm. that Sir Alex won. I kind of likened it to again, like um, maybe, maybe you agree with this. The League Cup in two thousand six was the was the other one because for for me anyway, it, it mm. kind of a lot of parallels between those because Chelsea had come along, Arsenal had won. Uh, the league in 2004 then Chelsea came along and United went from 2003 to 2006 not really succeeding and that was in the moment where Sir Alex was rebuilding his team and the League Cup was the first trophy that I think a few of the players won that really moved them forward into believing that they could challenge for bigger trophies do you think this is the first step to more because we've mentioned about the Ten Hag dance We've mentioned about all of these different things. Is, are there, is there more to come this season? Do you have confidence that long-term, I think we're both on the same page that you think United are going to get there, whether they win leagues or whether they win other trophies. They're in the conversation. They will be in the next few years. But how many, they're in three more competitions this season. 
The quadruple is on. The quadruple is on. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I uh, I wanted to call the show today the Impossible Dream, and I wanted to call it that because we're called the Promised Land, and the reason why we called that is about how do we return to the Promised Land? How do we actually get back there? It's the journey, isn't it? It's not actually being there. That's not the thing. It's more about how do you actually find your way back to where you want to be, your identity as Manchester United. It's all on, Scott. Like, these four trophies are all on. You've won one of them now. Why can't you win the other three? So it's about trying to win them and being valid every week. And this is what I keep saying about when you go into every match, believing at least you can win that game. We're going to Anfield. Liverpool are the underdogs in that game. That's strange. <laughs> That's weird. Like, that should not be the case. It was only a few months ago where where we would not have had that identity. We would not have gone, oh, we're going to go to Anfield and, and give them a dust-up. Now, we know that Liverpool can beat anyone on their day, especially at home, so you wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool beat us. But at the same time, United are going to go there with, with this confidence. You just compared that there to the 2006 uh, League Cup, and actually Gary Neville said something similar. And he said when they won that trophy, he said at that point in his head, he'd believed that United's glory days were over. Up to then, like because of what was happening at Chelsea, the way that maybe Abramovich was splashing money around, the way that kind of new money was coming into football. And he felt that. He said he remembers winning that trophy and thinking, hmm, can we kick on now? Can we get back to winning titles? They had this young lad coming through, didn't they? Not so later called Cristiano with this other young lad called Wayne. And it all started to build. And obviously United got back to where they wanted to be, back to their own promised land. I'm going to compare it to 1990. I'm a little bit older. So as I said, I, I'm going to look back to that. And I'm wearing the jacket today from that period. And I wore this yesterday. And I wore it yesterday because when I was thinking about it, I felt about the day, the day at Wembley, like I did at 1990, the Crystal Palace final, or the FA Cup, is that Manchester United have been perennial failures for years. I'd grown up as a child for years being told that Manchester United do not win things. That was from my own family who are United fans and the other half who are City fans. But always believing that and winning that first trophy, it rebooted everything. And the following year, we beat Barcelona in the Cup Winners' Cup. And it was all these like progressive steps, Scott, where you kind of get to yourself. We get to then nearly winning the title, but losing it to Leeds. And then Cantona arriving and winning the, the championship. And that was a three-year like changing of the guard. It took like three years. Now, people think it happened like that. But it didn't. It was a long period. I feel that this is the start of that period for United. That's what I think Ten Hag's trying to initiate here. Is that United probably won't win another trophy this year. Like, they're not favourites in any of the others, except maybe the Europa League. That's a good chance there. They've got a chance in the FA Cup, though. You might be watching this content. We might have got knocked out against West Ham. Who knows? But overall, you've now won that trophy. And if you get top four, season accomplished. You've done your. You've done what you wanted to do already, isn't it? Champions League final or Champions League qualification for next year and you've won your final there at Wembley. So that's how I look at it. It's 1990 because winning that felt like relief. I remember winning that game. It's Crystal Palace in the replay. 1-0, uh, Martin on the left hand, coming from left back, an unfancied player, smashing the ball into the roof of the net. And it was an amazing moment, but it felt like relief. And that's what, for me, yesterday felt like. It was great. But it was just relief that you got the trophy. It's in your hands. You didn't have to talk about winning that first trophy ever again. Poor Oligon and Solskjaer had that on him, that monkey on his back the whole way, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Oh, if you win your first trophy, you're okay. Then you're you're over the line. No, the first trophy is important, 
but continuing your project and moving on down the line and having evolution is what's important. I also agree with you there, Scott, about Casemiro and the future. I think United need to buy and recruit shrewdly in this next window because it's only going to be a year or two or three where we're going, Casemiro's looking a little bit old this week, isn't he? Starting to look his age. People thought with Ronaldo that Ronaldo could go until he was like 55 and he'd still score goals. Well, he is no. wrong. Well, he will do. He will do when he's, you know, at, at the level he has chosen now, you know, the level being get paid at a ridiculous sum of money and just score lots of goals in a very inferior league. Like, let's be honest, that league, is it even League Two standard League One? No offence to Saudi Arabia, but this is where he's gone. So goodbye, Cristiano. That's the past. You look at kind of Man United now, that recruitment must be solid going forward and that you must buy players that you can develop and and I think Gary Neville, what he said there yesterday, does count like that period of the change when you brought Ronaldo in and you brought Rooney in. We didn't need Wayne Rooney when we signed him. We didn't. Like we signed him because Newcastle put in a bid for him and Fergie went, can't be having that. We want that player. They put a bid in and obviously brought him to Old Trafford. But you developed him, didn't you, very quickly into a really good player. And that's what United need to do now, Scott. So next year... We need to be a little bit more like Arsenal. I don't want to say that because Harry's our producer and he's an Arsenal fan. But we do. We need to go find our Odegaards, develop our Sackers, go get your Martinelli's from like nowhere and bring them in and bring them into the team over a year or two and feel good about that development. If United can do that, then they can win the Premier League title in the next two or three years. They certainly can. And that's not something we would have said six months ago, is it? How quickly football can change. Like that. Like it feels like the blink of an eye. But as I said, that was a three-year process with Fergie in 1990 until he won that first title. And it did involve disappointments. Like losing that title to Leeds, uh, people who are not old enough can't remember it. It was horrific. Leeds United had only come up the year before. Yeah, they were no ones. Lee Chapman, David Batty and this bloke called Eric Cantona. And they won the title over us who were being groomed for success over two or three years. And we hit the wall again. The following year, we took Cantona off them. We won the title and the rest is history. United will look to try and progress in the FA Cup. You mentioned the FA Cup there, Rob. They play West mm. Ham. I know that like games coming every three days will be difficult, but I think yeah. Casemiro's just out of rest. He was suspended for a few weeks. Uh, Rafa Varane, international duty. He's retired from international duty. He's not going to go on international duty at the end of March. He'll have some time. There's a number of players there who I think Ten Hag is managing to rotate and rest players generally quite well. Mm -hmm. I know that Marcus, maybe Marcus Rashford will be given a little bit of a rest against West Ham. But if they progress through that tie, the big teams that are left are Tottenham and Man City. There's no other big teams left. Uh, and I think United have a good chance in that. You mentioned Arsenal in the Europa League. United are actually favourites to win the Europa League. I checked the yep. other day when the draw came around. Yeah. Yep. And obviously, Arsenal won at the weekend, so now they're eight points behind Arsenal, having played the same amount of games. And Arsenal play Everton in midweek, I think. So they could be 11 points behind going into... Maybe even further behind. I'm not sure where Arsenal's next fixture is after that. But going into Anfield, they could be quite a way off. But there's confidence that United can go to Anfield and win. That's another monkey they've got to get off their back, actually, because that is um, something they've not been able to do for a number of years. They beat Liverpool in the reverse fixture. Uh, and it just seems like throughout... I don't know if you noticed this, Rob, but throughout the, the 10 years or so of post-Ferguson, there would be records falling here and there, like every, Newcastle coming to Old Trafford and winning for the first time in decades. 
Swansea coming to Old Trafford and winning for the first time in decades. Oh, Tons of teams that. doing that. Th- those those runs coming to an end. Now it just feels like we're starting to reverse it. And yeah, you know, yeah, of course. And, it, and it's and it's so important that you don't have those horrible milestones every week. Like we've said for a really long time, and I think this goes really back to David Moyes and beyond. Is that teams that were turning up at Old Trafford? I would sit there two hours before kickoff, like I do, watching the warm-ups and all this. And you'd, you'd have the opponents kind of taking photographs on the pitch on a day out at Old Trafford, enjoying themselves. And I'm like, this lot are not scared to be here. Like I, I've grown up watching United and teams being beaten in the tunnel before they've walked out because they don't want to be here. I think we're creeping back towards that now is that teams don't want to come to Old Trafford for a lovely day out at the Theatre of Dreams. It shouldn't be their dreams. It's our dreams. So like they come to Old Trafford and they lose. And that's what we want. So we want the Swansea's to turn up and feel beaten in the tunnel, not turn up and beat you. I think they beat us twice in a row, I think, I think mm. two seasons concurrently. And as you said, I'm like Crystal Palace come to, to Manchester yeah. United and, and just... Oh, there's a ton of teams roll over us and you're kind of like what's happening here this is not what we expect so this is the thing now i think in terms of transition of football is that football is cyclical i know that sounds like a cliche but it is true every few years you have to rebuild and if you don't rebuild effectively you just fall down the pecking order a little bit and i think when you look at the league table when you look at what's going on at liverpool you know not tempting fate but liverpool are at that t- point of their cycle where they either need to rebuild or lose, or if they don't rebuild successfully, they won't just lose games, they will lose their manager. It will happen, because you can't be 10th forever. You know, Potter's still got a job at Chelsea at the moment, as far as we know, but probably not for much longer. You can't be 10th when you're at one of the top clubs. It just cannot be a thing. So, I think United are rightfully the favourites in these games because they've proved it in a short space of time. You know, they'll go to Anfield and, and there'll be no expectations for us, but we will go there feeling pretty confident and pretty good about ourselves. And Liverpool, hopefully, will be the ones looking inward thinking, right, can we match this United team when we're not playing well ourselves? Liverpool at, uh, at Palace the other night, you know, it's not the same team. This is not the team that's won multiple titles under Klopp. This is not a Jurgen Klopp side. However, it's the same kind of players, isn't it? Like you're only really missing Mane, but you're missing now, I think, that fresh ingredients. You've got Nunes, you've got Gakpo. They'll probably play very well against Manchester United coming up in this game, but they're not the standard that you've been used to. And they've got a long way to prove that until they can show that they're good enough to replace players like Mane. We'll wrap up in a second. I just wanted to ask you one more question. Did you enjoy mm-hmm. Anthony's performance yesterday? Because I really took a lot of enjoyment about <laughs> him teasing Dan Byrne. I just, I just kind of like him anyway. Like, yes, <laughs> like, I, I, and and do you know what? There is a tactical side of it as well, Scott. Because as much as like I use the word S house for Martinez, I kind of apply it to Anthony as well. Like, he's out there to win. Like, he's not out there to take part. He's out there to kind of show that he's part of the winning side and not the losing side. And what I liked about his performance yesterday is that he got an, he got actually quite a bad knock at one point and just kind of ran it off. And you could see he was, I think he had a kind of hamstring or groin injury, but he just ran it off. He just was like determined to stay on the football pitch. And he gives you that real winger sensibility that you don't really have on the other side or say maybe that Jaden doesn't give you or that, that uh, Marcus doesn't give you. And certainly Bruno does not give you in those wide areas is that he can take you one-on-one and give you a bit of the Kanchelskis, as I call it, you know, I'm going to knock it 
and I'm going to run and I'm strong. And you might think that you're stronger than me, but I'm going to show you that I can fight you and all of that. So I liked his performance. Again, I think he was well-deserving of his winner's medal. And I think he'll be fine at Man United. So I think, again, a lot of the noise about Anthony has just come from paranoid football fans who want to pick holes in absolutely everything every week. You know, like, I want to actually end on Luke Shaw. Can we end on Luke Shaw? Because, not, not just because I've got the cup, but there's a lot of people that owe Luke Shaw a massive apology. Because when he pushed on under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and was probably the left best left back in the world and then had that regression last year. He had a load of United fans on their high horse going, Luke Shaw's you know what. Oh, look at him talking about his weight or his lack of something or the other. Luke Shaw is back. Luke Shaw is back. Man United might not be back, but Luke Shaw is. I believe that was his first career trophy yesterday. Is that correct? Because he wasn't part of the... He wasn't. Was he out in 2017? He wasn't part of the yeah the winning squads from before. Um, so that was his first on the pitch experience of uh, of winning a trophy. That's going to go a long way to that boy. Yeah, he he lost a, a European final with with England, and he lost he's lost obviously games with Manchester United over a long period of time. He is the best left back in the world. He really is. He gets up and down like a motor. He can invert. He can do everything. Uh, he's going to be a huge part of Manchester United's success in the next 12 months if we go on and win more trophies. Seems like we've taken time to praise everyone. Uh, and Isn't I'm it sure good? that it's, it's very nice to do. Usually, content goes better when it's complaining. Uh, but it's nice to have uh, Man United on the road back to being back, isn't it? Totally. And just, I'm going to say something about that as well, because I do think we live in a culture now where people like to just make what I call aggravated, aggravated content. Let's just annoy everyone and get everyone screaming at their screens. I'd rather talk like this, you know, talk to our audience and, and be and be high on, and be happier about stuff. Yeah, of course, there's lots of times we have to talk about negative things in football, which is normal, isn't it? That That is the way. But you've won a trophy. And I think everyone earned it. Everyone deserved it. The fringe players, the core players, the legends, the one, the future legends, the guys that won Galactico trophies over the years. And also David De Gea, who I think is derided a lot in this fan base still. People still have a go at David Day pretty much every day of the week. I think he's doing okay as well this season. So, But all credit, I think we have to end it really with bald is best, yeah? And that that really is the truth about Eric. Is Rob has just taken his hat off to reveal his bald head for all. If you're not on YouTube, get on YouTube, subscribe and share, etc., etc. But I think when you look at Eric Ten Hag, you know, Bald might have been best for Guardiola over many, many years at Manchester City. And now we have got a little bit of that. I think Ten Hag is as good as any of the managers in the league at the moment. And that includes Klopp and Guardiola. And that, again, is something that six months ago, we would not have predicted that we would be saying. So one trophy is not a legacy, but it might be the start of a legacy. You might be looking back on this year, 2023, and saying that's when it really started for Manchester United again. And fingers crossed... As we go on and we do this podcast in the weeks and months ahead, we'll be celebrating more silverware. Hopefully there is more to come. There will definitely be more promised land to come later this week. Uh, we'll look ahead to the game against Liverpool and look back on the West Ham FA Cup game. Hopefully United can get through that and into what I believe might be the last eight of the FA Cup, I want to say. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly the round, but yes, uh, United are going well. They have won their first trophy since 2017, which is a massive achievement and a first step, hopefully, 
for this new team that Eric Ten Hag is building. Uh, we'll be back later this week, as I said. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And watch us usually on Tuesdays and Fridays, although we'll be back Friday because we're recording a little bit early this week because of the cup win on Sunday. Head over to YouTube, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well, and we'll do our very best to get back to you as soon as we can, maybe even in the show. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. Get us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promisand MU for the show. I've been Scott Saunders. That's been Rob Blanchett. We'll see you soon, everyone. Man United are back winning trophies. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.